0: Good morning, Outlook family. Good to see everyone this morning. Whether you're here with me in the room or you're joining us online, it's just good to be together. Amen? It really, really is. Uh, And as Zach got us warmed up here, we are looking at some Christmas stories uh, this month, specifically the ones told on film. Because Christmas time is full of fun and moving and profound stories And some of the most memorable ones are told in the movies that we enjoy. These stories tell us a lot about ourselves as human beings, our highest dreams, our deepest needs. And in this series, we'll see that many, if not most, of these stories, these Christmas stories, point to the greatest and truest Christmas story of all, the arrival of the one the whole world needs and is looking for. Let's remind ourselves of the opening scene of that Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1 starting in verse 20 says that Joseph son of David were the words that Joseph heard the angel say don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to give him the name and you are to name Him Jesus, which means the Lord saves, for He will save His people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message, Matthew writes, through His prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call Him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This, right here, God becoming human rescuing us and being with us is the crux of the story that changes every other story. My life story and maybe yours too. And even people who don't know Jesus yet understand that there is a transcendence and a truth that we're all longing for and that fact is on full display at Christmas time. And so this month, We're going to look at those themes of our Christmas stories. Wonder and mystery, love and care, hope and significance. These recurring themes we see again and again in the stories that we love. And we're going to remind ourselves that they're all found ultimately in the Christmas story of Jesus. Today, we're going to specifically look at grace and forgiveness. We're going to hear a story that Jesus told while also taking a look at some Christmas stories that we tell. So I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 18 for our time together. If you brought your Bible, feel free to turn there. You've got your Bible app, pull it up, no problem. You can certainly always follow along on the screen as well. But we're going to be in Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. It says that Peter came to Jesus. Peter, one of the 12 disciples, comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? In other words, Peter's saying, Jesus, people are bugging me. How long do I put up with them? Right? People are wronging me. How many times do I have to forgive them? Maybe even up to seven? But hear Jesus' answer. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Grace in Jesus' kingdom When we become a student of that grace, it changes who we are. In fact, it really becomes who we are. And what we read in this quick exchange here between Peter and Jesus is that we become people who, more than losing count, we don't even bother to count anymore. Oh, is this number five? Is this number six? Getting close. Number seven. Hmm, I'm out. Jesus says that's not the way my people operate. We're people who live in grace, and we're people who give grace. And then Jesus backs this up by telling a story. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So, we meet a king who wants accounts settled. This is true of our king, the Lord of heaven. But the difference between this king and the parable, and our God... Is that God settled accounts before we even knew we were in debt? That our king took the initiative to span the gap that separated us from him by sending his son. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. Verse 24, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, you could fill in pretty much any number. Call it a bazillion if you want. Jesus has simply chosen a sum so large that his listeners are immediately going to identify if they're putting themselves in the story at all, they're going to realize, I don't want to be that guy. That's an unpayable debt. I don't know how he got himself in that situation, but that's something I want to avoid at all costs. He owes him 10,000 bags of gold. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, this is a harsh opening scene to uh, Jesus' story here, but everyone would have understood what happened. This would be the natural sentence of someone in that terrible situation. And we've got to come And I think Jesus is inviting us to read ourselves into his stories as he always does. And in this one, we come to a point in which we see ourselves in this man's plight, completely unable to pay. This is the uh, first scene of any gospel story. It's that you and I as human beings have found ourselves separated from the one who made us, knows us, and yes, loves us, but we're separated from him. Now, it might be easy to think, well, why would I be separated? I don't know of any really grievous sins that I've committed that that maybe you can think of a bunch of things and a bunch of people that are far worse than you. Maybe I could try to do the same. But the fact is, all of us have woke up on any given day and decided to do things our own way when we know that God says otherwise. And that alone is what the Bible calls sin. It's simply that idea that I'm going to do things the way I see fit, and I'm not really going to consult God or his word or his, his wisdom about that. And we're all guilty of that. And that simple decision, which we've been making since we were little, right, keeps us separated from God apart from his grace. But I'm getting ahead of myself in the story. The plight of this man is that he is now uh, put into servitude for his I'm reminded of Romans 7 that says we're all sold as slaves to sin. So, so far, we're in this story. Our innate selfishness, even among the best and sweetest of us, separates us from God and needs to be forgiven. That's what it needs. That's what it requires. And in His love, God forgives us, as we're about to see. Or to put it in some Christmassy terms, we're all on the naughty list. But God doesn't choose to treat us that way. And this takes us to our first of three movie scenes here in today's message. This scene is when Buddy the Elf finds out from Santa that his father, one he's yet to meet but has never met yet, is on the naughty list. Take a look. Can't wait to see my dad. We're, we're going to go ice skating and, and eat sugar plums. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. You know, buddy, sh- 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 your father, well, he's on the naughty list. No! Some people, they just lose sight of what's important in life. That doesn't mean they can't find their way again, huh? Maybe all they need is just a little Christmas spirit. Yeah! What? Well, I- good at that. I know you are. You got to love what Santa says right there to buddy. I mean, he pretty much sums up the human condition. Some people just lose sight of what's important in life, though we recognize it's actually All people lose sight of what's important in life, right? We all do. That happens to all of us. But he does say it doesn't mean they can't find their way again. We just know we've got the inside story that the whole world is wanting to tell a story about. The inside story is that Jesus is that way, right? That truth and that life. And that when we can find him the way back, then we discover what Christmas is is all about. He says, maybe all they need is just a little, there's this phrase, we hear it a lot in the holiday season, a little Christmas spirit. But see, again, we have the inside scoop. We know that what the world calls just a little Christmas spirit has a name, the Holy Spirit. In 365 days a year, we get to have that spirit in us. Amen. And we get the chance to share it as well. We can, like Buddy, be good at that. We can believe the best and hope for others to return to God. Find the way back. But that's not what's happening in this parable just yet, but almost here in verse 26. At at this the servant fell on his knees before him, the king. Be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay back everything. Probably an impossible claim the master the servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go the king is moved with compassion the king forgives his debt this is grace and it's far more than just patience while he paid it back right that's what the servant was asking for if you'll just be patient i'll try to pay it back but the king knows that's impossible king knows that that's a foolish thing to even say but he's desperate he's repenting he's asking for forgiveness he's asking for any kind of patience he can get and the king gives him exactly what he needs more than he even realizes he gives him compassion he gives him freedom he clears him of his debt see grace is not the pardon of a judge that we happen to catch on a good day it's the fruit of a father's love this is our king So when our debt is canceled, because now we should definitely be able to see ourselves in the story, if we've said yes to Jesus, this is us. We've repented of our sin. We've asked for his grace and forgiveness. We've heard that this king is compassionate, and we've laid ourselves before him, and he gives us the grace that he knows we need. And if you haven't yet said yes to Jesus, maybe you're just checking out what that truth is all about. That's awesome. I'm really glad you're here. I hope that you'll find you're in a safe place where you can explore that truth, ask questions. I'd love to talk to you about that. But here at Outlook, we are simply a bunch of people who are finding our way through Christ, and we've discovered that the answers are in Him. That's really who we are. We're far from perfect. We don't have it all together, but we we know the one who will put us back together. Amen? And so you're with a bunch of people who will be a a safe bunch of people to explore that truth together. So this is what happens when we say yes to Jesus. We are this guy whose debt has been forgiven. And so when that debt is canceled and we're let go, what should we do? So what's he going to do next? This is kind of the, the turning point of Jesus' story. We're now waiting to see, okay, this has happened. What will he do? In this parable, Jesus provides a negative example to drive his point home. Jesus is a master teacher, and when he uses these parables to teach a lesson, he's making choices on purpose. And he's making a choice to give us a negative example of what to do, because I believe he knows it's going to grab our hearts most fully. And you'll see what I mean in just a moment. He's going to keep our attention. Considering the opposite of what this guy does is what Jesus is asking and prompting us to do. So what does he do? Verse 28. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. In other words, a very small amount. Here is his moment of truth. What's he going to do? He goes out and finds a servant who also now is indebted to him. And we are the same. We are people, servants of our king, who've been forgiven by that king. But we also now have things to forgive from others, Life is full of the slights and shortcomings of our fellow human beings. And this guy shows some initiative, but unfortunately to do the opposite of what he should have. Deeply forgiven, he now has someone to forgive. What does he do? Well, before we read that, let me just ask you. In this season of gift giving and list making, right? We're all trying to give each other the gift that we think is the best one. Did you, did you know that you have the ability to give a gift more precious than the most expensive luxury car with a big red bow in the driveway? More valuable than an all-expense-paid all vacation or any latest gadget or a closet full of new clothes? You have the ability to give, give a gift even more valuable than the Jelly of the Month Club membership or a Red rider, be begun. You have the ability to give the gift of forgiveness and grace to someone else. And it it will fit everyone on your list. It will be exactly what they need. See, grace is a gift that as we fully receive it, we begin to learn how to freely give it. But unfortunately, that's not what happens here. It says, he grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. He wanted what was coming to him. He demanded his rights. And we have to admit, this is a violent, ugly story. This man going and grabbing and even choking his fellow man. But if we're honest, we have to admit it's our story too. Whether we do it in deed or we just do it in thought, we can find ourselves in this very spot. How do we grab each other? How do we choke the grace out of our relationships? Well, there are at least a couple of ways. We judge each other, right? We put ourselves in the spot of evaluating another in a way that tests their character or their motive. Was anyone tempted to do some hardcore judging during the Thanksgiving holiday? It's easy for any of us to look at someone else and we might admit, hey, we're all wrong sometimes, right? But if I were to be honest, my wrong is less wrong than your wrong. It's easy for us to think that way. Another thing we do when we're grabbing and choking is uh, we uh, we hold over another, the things that that we feel they've done to us. Or we hold back when we should be reaching out. We have another scene here to look at. This is a scene from the Christmas movie, Jingle, Jangle. It expresses what we're talking about here. Poignantly, Take a look. Jessica, I'm sorry. For what? For giving up? For making me feel like it was my fault that things turned out the way they did? Do you know how many times I went to my mailbox hoping for something to let me know that you still cared, that, that you even thought about me at all? I thought about you every day. Every day. Given everything that happened, I wasn't sure that you wanted to hear from me. So didn't send these letters. You can hear the heartbreak in Jessica's voice from the love that her father has withheld from her. She's reaching and finding nothing. And then all those letters pouring out all represent the held back love of his name is Jeronicus and because of his fear of rejection. I mean, that is a Super common human story, isn't it? That we hold back love or affection or compassion or forgiveness or grace or reconnection and reconciliation all because of shame or fear or simply a grudge or unresolved anger. We let all that stuff pile up. We choke out love and grace, much like the guy in the parable. But we're called to become people from whom grace flows, humble enough to recognize, man, I've been forgiven of so much. There's lots of ways that I screw up. So I know I need forgiveness. And from that posture, then I see another and I can more easily cut them some slack, be patient and forgive. When we become those people, not people who are constantly just making demands of our fellow servants, like the guy in the parable, making demands, then we'll all learn to treat each other a bit more gently, which is certainly a lesson that our world needs to, to, to hear and to learn. Verse 29, back to the parable, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. He is now in the position of the king, and another servant is in the position he had just been in. Using the same words, be patient with me, I will pay it back. But it says he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. No grace is flowing here. But grace, by its very essence, is meant to be shared, not kept or hoarded as if that were even possible. Love is always the point. And we sometimes miss the point, but it's one we can't afford to miss. We forget what grace is really all about. It is a gift meant to be regifted, right? It's actually the best. It's served best that way, right? Received and then re-gifted to others, and then gifted again, and then gifted again, and it never runs out. That's how it's meant to be. Jesus in this moment, the the. The, the scene of this forgiven servant choking his other fellow servant is one that cannot be forgotten, right? It's just seared in our mind and something in it says that's not right. And that's exactly what happens next in the parable. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. They went and told their master everything that had happened. It was outrageous. And it is outrageous when you and I do it today. When we treat others gracelessly. It's not supposed to be this way. Something in us knows that to be true. And the whole world seems to understand it. And at Christmas time, uh, we're reminded of exactly that truth. In so many of our Christmas stories, we are being reminded of the fact that it's not supposed to be the way it is. And we aspire for something better, greater, deeper, more loving, more winsome, more graceful. Whether it's Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, or Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life, or Hans Gruber in Die Hard, something in us knows to push back against the villains of these Christmas stories is not supposed to be this way. Verse 32, the master calls the servant in, You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In other words, don't you know who I am? And and if if this is what your king is like, then be instructed by that, be inspired by that, be like me, be and, and get to know me. I'm a forgiver, I'm full of grace. See, here's the breakdown. God, who is never wrong, forgives you and me for all the ways we've wronged Him. And then when we, though we regularly wrong others, choose not to forgive those who wrong us, we presume the place of God. And we presume rights that even God Himself doesn't choose to claim. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had on you, the king asks. And I can't help but think God, asks me the same thing. In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. A description of what happens when we choose to live in ungrace, when we reject grace, when we choke the flow of grace, then we live a tortured life. Until we begin to understand that lesson again and stop rejecting grace, this will be our own plight. This is how my Heavenly Father, Jesus concludes, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You've got to love that last phrase. Forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Heart. Kind of sounds like the pitch of a Christmas movie, right? This is going to be a movie about people who need to learn how to forgive each other t- despite all the different ways that they treat each other poorly. Oh, that sounds like a great story. Tell me more about that, right? That's the story we're called to live because at Christmas time, we're reminded grace has arrived. Christmas reminds us and really the whole world of that. It glows with grace at Christmas time, whether it fully understands what that word means or not. And grace means we can now treat each other with love and toward reconciliation. This takes us to our third and final scene. One of the secondary plots of Home Alone is the heartbreaking story of Kevin's neighbor whom the kids called Old Man Marley. He's estranged from his own family and that's why he's alone much as Kevin finds himself alone. But remember this conversation that he and Kevin have in church. Take a look i have been kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. Yeah. I'm kind of upset about it because I really like my family. Even though sometimes I say I don't. Sometimes I even think I don't. Do you get that? I think so. How you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Especially with an older brother. Deep down, you always love them. But you didn't forget that you love them. And you can hurt them, and they can hurt you. And that's not just because you're young. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure. I came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come and hear her tonight. You have plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church? Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. despite all the hijinks in that movie and the way it ends with Kevin being reunited with his family, however imperfectly, the directors and writers still chose to weave in there a story of reconciliation, right? A lesson that how you feel about your family is sometimes complicated, right? But deep down, you love them, even if you hurt them, and even if they sometimes hurt you. But in that closing scene, We see what Christmas movies show again and again, that even in our harsh and cynical world, we long for reconciliation. The whole world knows it's what we need, and we want to believe it's possible. So why is it so important that we, you and I as Jesus followers, become expert givers of grace? It's because if we don't, who will? Because we know the inside story, the story behind the story. There are all these stories the world loves to tell, and they're all pointing to something. They're all revealing a yearning. We know that where that yearning can ultimately be fulfilled. And we can start telling that story by showing each other grace. This world's in desperate need of it. So let's be good at it, like Buddy. Let's not withhold it like Geronicus, Let's work through it, as both Kevin and his neighbor learn to. Let's do that as if it's the most important work in the world, because it is. I admit, Jesus' parable here is not your typical Christmas story, but it is very much about what life is like and what it means when God is with us and when our King comes to settle accounts. Let's pray about that. Lord, we thank you for the truth of this powerful story that you chose to tell. The fact that we got to hear it again today, Lord, we're grateful. Help us to see ourselves in this story, and yes, in this servant, in some of his choices. Let them be a lesson to us all about what it means to treat each other with grace, to be good and open receivers of grace. To be ever learning givers of grace. Lord, that's our prayer. We thank you that you delight to answer such a prayer. And by your Holy Spirit, you will in each of our hearts and lives. In your name we pray. Amen.